Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuhu. The disparity in understandings between formlessness and form is one that runs through religion and has run through religion uh, forever. To understand spirituality, one needs to have some understanding, some belief in, some faith in, some acknowledgement of formlessness. Without formlessness, and without the understanding of formlessness, religion concentrates on form. So you have various uh, costumes that are worn, uh, various ways of uh, growing your beard or not growing your beard. And these things become very important in observance to the point where you can recognize those who are observant by the way they look. And if they don't look a certain way, the community assumes they're non-observant. The difference between form and non-form has also been part of the conflict between Sufism and religious orthodoxy. A famous statement made by a man called Halaj years ago was Anul Haq. In Arabic, it translates to I am reality. Now, this statement became incredibly controversial to the point where because he made it publicly, he was executed because you could not claim that you were godlike or reality publicly. Uh, God was beyond and is beyond comprehension and beyond understanding, according to the Orthodox. So these kinds of statements uh, became heresy. In Sufism, another statement that has become universal is to know your self is to know your Lord, or you must know yourself in order to know your Lord. Well, this statement is really very close to Anul Haq, I am reality. It's a hint, it's a guideline to what has to be done to come to know your Lord. And 
to come to know your Lord, you have to become real. And we use that word when we describe people. Uh, he's a phony, uh, or he's real. I can get along with him because he's real. He doesn't blow things up other than the way they are. He doesn't try to make things more than they are. He's consistently legitimate. He's real. So, what does that real mean? What does that reality mean? What is it to be real? What is it to be reality? And how does one come to that point? So, I am reality. To know your Lord, you must know yourself. Well, to know yourself truly, you must know the truth of yourself. You have to know the real self. You have to know your reality. And how do you get to know your reality? Since Hak reality is one of the names of Allah, one of the names of God, it's understood that to know yourself, you must enter reality. You must become one who searches for reality. So, in the search for the self, there is the search for reality. Because you can only know the self when you understand reality. The word for the level of understanding that reaches reality is hakikat, which is uh, part of the word, the root word hak, is in hakikat, the way of reality, the way of the truth, the path in reality. So we, in order to know who we are, must know what reality is. And how can we find out what reality is? How do we know what reality is? Well, in order to know reality, we also have to know what is not reality. We have to know illusion. So we have to be able to understand that which is transient, that which is temporary, that which disappears, and we have to know that which is permanent, that which doesn't disappear, that which is eternal. And reality is that which is eternal. Illusion is the temporary portion of existence. So, quite simply, we can know right away that our body is illusory. It's here and it's gone. It's not a permanent reality. So, as we travel through our life, and as we look at history books and study the past, uh, 
what is it that we can see? Well, if you study history books, you'll see that civilizations come and go, that languages come and go, that cultures come and go, that if you go to a dig where uh, they are excavating previous cultures, you can sometimes see seven layers of different cities all piled on top of each other, seven layers of different cultures piled on top of each other. All of them, gone, disappeared. But one of the things that you'll find is consistent through history, if you take the time to look, is that holy men came throughout history with a message. And if you look at the context of the message, uh, the point of the message, you'll find consistently that it's a message that proclaims love and mercy and compassion and aid to others. That it's a message of kindness, a message of goodwill, and a message of treating others in a compassionate way. And this message doesn't disappear. This message keeps being reiterated throughout history. And it becomes the moral fiber of humanity as it travels through time. So what stays with people in their history? The morality of their message. The reality of what is not disappearing. In Islam, Allah has 99 names and 3,000 gracious qualities. These 99 names describe the various qualities of the Lord. And these qualities don't disappear. These qualities are also without form. Mercy, compassion, don't have form. Love doesn't have form. Yet, the power of love is beyond estimate. And what love can do to you as a being is transformational. And how does it transform you? It takes you from illusion to reality. So, in order to know yourself, in order to become real, you have to enter in to the qualities that are real, to the qualities that don't dissipate, to the qualities that stay consistent. Love is a quality that is consistent in history. It's always existed, and in the end of each generation, when generations pass on to generations, 
It's a quality that continues to move forward. It's a quality that people strive to instill into their lifestyles and into their culture. And the message of the holy people that come throughout history is that for this culture to thrive and for this culture to transcend, love must be integrated into the culture. So for us to know who we truly are, we must become these qualities. Because who we truly are is the creation of our Lord. And the, our Lord created us in his image. Now we all know that God is without form. So we have to take on the qualities that are without form and become those qualities. If we don't become those qualities, we cannot become real. Hak is unavailable. Reality is unavailable. Hakikat, the path of reality, is unavailable to people who aren't real, to people who live in illusion, to people who make their stand in illusion. And what does that mean to make your stand in illusion? It means that you make your stand with power. You make your stand with money. You make your stand with fame. You make your stand with control over others. You make, you make your stand with trying to control illusion in some way. And illusion can't be controlled because something is going to fade out and disappear and it'll probably be you in time. So we have to take our stand with that which doesn't disappear. We have to take our stand with that which is real. Now, the difficulty is that in taking your stand with that which is real, you are going against the tide of the common culture. Because <clears throat> the common culture wants you to be involved in everyday existence, everyday success within the illusory world. So the common culture is tied into that which has form and obtaining things which has form, dealing in things which has form. And that becomes the most important part of your existence. Somehow, we have to transcend our relation to form and begin a relationship with formlessness. So, all of the things that are important in form have to become less important to us. All of the things that happen in form have to become without merit for us. There are monasteries where people go who are tired 
of the illusory world and are tired of dealing with form and who've decided that the only way that they can escape is to go to a place where the form is limited. And in many of these monasteries, they have rules and regulations. Life becomes incredibly simplified. In some of them, people don't even speak in order to nullify the interaction with form. And in this new world, we don't go to monasteries. We live in the world. And we don't have to give up speech, but we do have to give up attachment to the world. And how do we detach ourselves from material existence? If you're an alcoholic, you can give up alcohol. And that will cure your alcoholism. Uh, it may take somebody supervising you to make sure that you don't go near alcohol. But the point is, you can, you don't need alcohol to exist. But, you can't give up food. You can't give up water. You have to drink and you have to eat. So, there's a tricky balance in trying to be in the form of the form, yet not in the form or of the form. To separate ourselves from the form and drift into the formlessness and become formless. Now, eventually, that's going to happen to us without our permission <laughs> and without our involvement. We're going to disappear, and this form is going to disappear. But how do we disappear while we're still in this form? And this is the point of Sufism, to disappear from this form while we're still in this form. To die before death is the Sufi way of life. The main meditation is la ilaha illallah, which means I do not exist, only Allah exists. So, a true devotee of reality recites la ilaha illallah, la ilaha illallah, with each breath. It becomes part of the breathing cycle, this constant acknowledgement that we don't exist, only God exists. Now, this seems severe for people living in the form and who get their enjoyment from the form, who get satisfied from the form, who find their reason for existence in the form. People who are famous, 
<clears throat> their reason for existence is their fame. And if you took that away from them, they would go into trauma. People who are wealthy, their reason for existence is their money. And if you took their money away from them, they would go into trauma. People attach themselves to things in illusion, in the form, and these things become what's important to them in their existence. And if you pull these things away from them, they go into trauma. The question is, can we pull ourselves away from all of the various things in the world that we've attached ourselves to and given importance throughout our life? This isn't something everybody wants to do. This isn't something that everyone is interested in. But for some people, they've concluded that there is no reward in this world. That everything dissipates and everything disappears. There must be something else. Uh, there's an old song that the, the, the catchphrase is, is that all there is? And many people through their life come to that question. Is that all there is? Is there something more? And there is something more. There's God. And there's your relationship to God. There's Allah and your relationship to Allah. And the understanding that the treasure that is God is available to you. And this treasure is greater than any treasure available in the illusory world. But to those who hold the treasures of the illusory world in high regard and in high esteem that <coughs> are unwilling to let go of those things. The treasure of God is not available to them. So we need to shed ourselves of everything that's illusory. We need to shed ourselves of everything that's not real. Only then can we enter reality. If you want to swim across a lake, you can't take your furniture with you. You've got to drop your stuff. And if you think you're going to take your stuff with you, you'll never be able to swim. What we're trying to do is to swim towards our Lord. And we have to understand that to be able to do that, we have to drop everything from this illusory world. And then, one could say, Anil Haq, I am reality. But it also means, I am without the illusory attachments of this world. I am without this world. I am of God's qualities. And that's who you truly are. 
you are a creation made by God of his qualities. And somehow, in this world, we've taken the creation on as more important than the creator. And we've fallen in love with the creation in a greater way than our love for the creator. We have to make a shift in our attitude. We have to make a shift in what's important to us. But, unless it becomes really important to us, it's not real. It's phony. And we know hypocrisy inside ourselves, and we know reality inside ourselves. So we have to focus on becoming real. Becoming real in every situation. Parts of it are, whenever you say something, it has to be what you're thinking. You can't be thinking one thing and saying another. You can't be two-faced. You can't be two-tongued. You have to be straight forward. You also have to learn to keep your mouth shut. That way you can't get into trouble by being two-faced or two-tongued. We need to be real. And then we can become reality. The phoniness that we've adopted in this world as a way of life has to be given up. And we know what it is we hold on to. We know what it is we consider important. We know what the things are that make us jump and make us move. And they have to become the holy things. They have to become the holy path. They have to become the holy way. The things of holiness have to become what's important to us. Mercy and compassion have to be uppermost in our attitudes and in our qualities. And they have to supersede our need <clears throat> for power and our need for control. When we begin to understand all of this, we'll begin to change. We'll begin to become real. We'll begin to absorb God's qualities. We'll be able to walk through the day reciting constantly, La ilaha illallah, La ilaha illallah. People ask, well, how can you do this? And the answer is, it's like drawing water from a well. In the beginning, you have to prime the pump and prime the pump and prime the pump. But after a while, it becomes automatic. So we have to become reciters of the name of God automatically. It has to become part of us. And as that becomes part of us, then the reality of la ilaha illallah becomes part of us. May it be so for each of us. Amin. Amin. Ya Rabbi Lalameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.